Let me add my uh, welcome to you this morning. My name is Bob Kane. I'm one of the leaders of this church, and it's a joy to uh, launch our Christmas theme series this morning, uh, the leaflets about life to the full, God's Christmas gift to you. And I want to talk to you this morning about life and life to the full. I asked my um, 12-year-old going on 15-year-old grandson, um, if you were asked as a project at school to define life, what would you say? The answer I got was a three-word answer that went like, (laughs) which translated means, I don't know. Would you like to play on the Xbox? Oh, yeah. Would you like to play football? Yeah. But what about life? I don't know. Let me give you three definitions of life. And these are what I would say we have accepted as definitions of life. The first is what I would call functional or legal. The second is what I would call philosophical. And the third is what I would call medical. So these are the three definitions that I found for life. First, the functional legal definition. The certified span of time between birth and death. That's the functional legal definition. It's certified, you get a birth certificate and you get a death certificate. You become a living being according to uh, the law of the land when you have a certificate and you can prove it. You have to have one when, when, you, when your loved one dies as well. So it's a certified span of time between birth and death. The philosophical one, you'll like this, and not a lot. Here's the philosophical one, and if someone can explain it to me afterwards, please do. This is what it says. Life is the realisation of its own contingency. But that's not the end of it. We're glad about that. It's merely the means towards the creation of meaning. Life is thus a constant process of becoming through creating values and meaning. Life is therefore perpetual transcendence, always moving into the future, creating the present. Anybody any the wiser? There we go. Medical. The quality that distinguishes a vital and functional plant or animal from a dead body. A state of living characterised by capacity for metabolism, growth, reaction to stimuli and reproduction. Those are the three definitions. I feel like my 12-year-old grandson. Does that help? And because we have accepted these definitions of life, we therefore, I would argue, have pathetically low expectations of life as we now know it. And flowing out from that, not because we've accepted these definitions, we have very therefore low expectations of life as we know it, and we are, because we assume this is normal we also face our insatiable quest to find and or create purpose and meaning for our lives. Here is how Jesus Christ himself defined life. 
John 17, Jesus says in his prayer, For you created, you granted him, that's he's talking to his father, for you granted him, that's his, himself, you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Here's his definition. Now, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Therefore, according to life according to Jesus is a gift from him, not the outcome of a natural process. Secondly, life according to Jesus is eternal, not a span of time. And thirdly, life according to Jesus is relational, not just functional. And according to Jesus Christ, this is his definition of the purpose of life, because life has to have a purpose, otherwise it's pointless. And we, have to, we, we are made to know purpose, we are made to know meaning. What's my life about? Why am I here? What's the purpose of my being? And this is Jesus' definition of the purpose of life, again from that prayer. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me, because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent, that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. So the definition of life according to Jesus is knowing God and Jesus Christ eternally. And the purpose of life is to be with him and see his glory forever. And to enjoy God's love forever. This is life to the full. And it is God's gift to us if we will but receive it. That's our Christmas theme that I'll be thinking about this year. What I want to do this morning to set the scene is to look at this subject from three perspectives. Number one, life to the full as God gave it to us in the beginning. Number two, life as we now know it, our present reality. And thirdly, life to the full as Jesus restores it and offers it to us all. So life to the full as God gave it in the beginning. That verse that Matthew read to us earlier on read like this in Genesis 2.7, which is on the screen. No, that's the Job one behind me. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. The crowning event of God's creation in Genesis, as recorded in Genesis, God's creation of the cosmos, the crowning event was him making mankind in his image. And the Genesis account shows us that God created a perfect world with which he was very pleased, called paradise. And he also created, secondly, a perfect mankind in his image, in order to enjoy God in paradise. That is exactly the same definition that corresponds to how Jesus defined it. 
It is first of all God's supernatural gift, the breath of God, literally. God breathed into his nostrils as a work of the Spirit, as we'll see. And the man became a living being. Job said this of himself, the Spirit of God has made me, the breath of the Almighty gives me life. It's a supernatural gift of God. And it is secondly for us to live forever. No, span, no death in paradise. There was no death in paradise. There was no death in Genesis chapter 1. There was no death in Genesis chapter 2. Death entered in chapter 3 because we went against the one command that God said, you shall not. Because the day you do, you'll die. Death entered then. So it was a supernatural gift of God. It was for us to enjoy forever him in paradise and also for us to enjoy and flourish in relationship with one another, man and woman, in God's presence in order to adore and serve him as his vice-regents over all of creation. Where do I get that? I get that from Psalm 8. Let me read Psalm 8 to you, part of it. When I consider our heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You've made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands and you put everything under their feet. All the flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim in the parts of the sea. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Psalm 8, Genesis 1 and 2 define life to the full as God originally gave it to the human race. But that is not our present reality. It is not life as we now know it. Because we have bought the world's definition of life, which I gave you in the beginning, we also set our hearts and our dreams on such pathetically transient expectations of life. Let me give you two examples. There are many. For the sake of time, I want to give you two that flow out from <coughs> excuse me, that flow out from our our inadequate definition of life and therefore our pathetically transient expectations of life. Two examples. Number one, the beginning of life. When does life begin? Right? According to the legal definition that runs in this nation, life begins at the moment of birth. That is not what the Bible says. The Bible says that life begins at the moment of conception. Where do you think the safest place for an unborn child should be? In the mother's womb. There is mass murder going on in our nation 24-7, 365. 
And there are two main political parties. I'm not going to get political at this point, but there are two main political parties who have said in their manifestos that they want to extend the right to have an abortion up to the moment of birth. That is murder. Because we've accepted that life is a certified span of time between birth and death, we can do whatever we like before birth. No, we can't. No, we can't. We don't have the right. That's a terrible example, but that's the world in which we live. Secondly, the meaning of life. We have to find, as I say, meaning in life. We're desperate to know the purpose of life. We're desperate to know why we are here. What's the function, the point, the purpose of life? Here is one man's quest for meaning. Hands up if you've ever heard of Woody Allen. Most of you have heard of Woody Allen, a filmmaker. This is what he said, paraphrasing a bit. This is roughly what he said in a sober moment. Even the most exciting and fulfilling film that I have ever made is akin to me weaving a basket in a care home waiting for death. He's right if life has no purpose and no meaning. Because he said, I have no idea what the purpose of my life is. So every, even the fun things that I do are akin to me weaving a basket in a care home waiting for death. Woody Allen. He goes on and says this, And the universe, as you know, from the best of physicists is coming apart. And eventually there will be nothing, absolutely nothing. All the great works of Shakespeare and Beethoven and Da Vinci, all that will be gone. Now, not for a long time, but shorter than you think, really, because the sun is going to burn out much earlier than the universe vanishes. So you don't have to wait for the universe to vanish. It will happen earlier than that. So all of these plays and these symphonies, the heights of human achievement, will be gone completely. There'll be no time, no space, nothing at all, just zero. That's why... Over the years, I've never written or made movies about political themes because they, while they do have their current critical importance, in the large scheme of things, only the big questions matter. And the answers to those big questions are very, very depressing. What I would recommend, this is the solution that I've come up with, is distraction. That's all you can do. You get up. You can be distracted by your love life, by the baseball game, by the movies, by the nonsense. Can I get my kid to, into this private school? Will this girl go out with me on Saturday night? Can I think of an, un, an ending for the third act of my play? Am I going to get promotion in my office? All this stuff. But in the end, the universe burns out. So I think it's completely meaningless. And to be honest, my characters portray this feeling. Have a good weekend. Woody Allen. Because we have bought the lie that life is a span of time between birth and death, we wrongly assume that death is normal. 
but it isn't. Death is not normal. It is an unnatural predatory alien that we allowed in to destroy the human race that is made in the image of God. We were made to enjoy God and glorify him forever and death entered the human race through one man and when sin entered, death entered, so we all died, we all sinned. That's the reality we currently live in. But because we bought into the lie that it's a span of time between here and now, here and then, because we want to create meaning out of our own meaningless lives, why do you, what do you think is the biggest cause of death amongst men in our nation under 40 at this particular time? Suicide. Suicide is the highest attrition rate for young men under 40 in our nation at this time. Genesis, the book of Genesis begins, in the beginning God. And the book of Genesis ends, and Joseph died and was placed in a coffin in Egypt. That's the reality that we currently experience and call life. But God has done something about this as he promised he would. And why did Jesus came? Why did Jesus come? This is their text for Christmas. It's in John chapter 10. It's not a, it's not a, a normal Christmas text, but it explains why he came. John chapter 10, <clears throat> verse 10. The thief only comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's why he came. Notice Jesus tells us why life is as it is for us now, as we've just been thinking about. The thief. The thief. The thief who comes to only to steal and kill and destroy. And we are experiencing every day the work of the thief in our lives. And Jesus tells us why he has come. That they may have life and may have it to the full. And he tells us how he is going to give us life to the full in the following passage which we'll come to in our series. But let me just read what Jesus says into how he's come. So the question would be, Lord, if you've come to give us life and life to the full, how are you going to do that? He goes on to say in John chapter 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming... He abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. 
I have other sheep that are not of the sheepfold. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my father. How is the Lord Jesus Christ, the definer of life, the giver of life, the source of life, the one who came to give us life to the full, how is he going to make it possible for him to give us that life that we screwed up and threw away ages ago? How is he going to give it back at the cost of his own life? Three times over, he tells us, I am going to lay down my life for the sheep. I am going to willingly, deliberately, purposefully lay down my life for the sheep. No one is going to take it from me. When he was crucified and put to death on the cross, who killed him? Well, in a sense, we all did. But he deliberately chose the precise moment and the precise way by which he would lay down his life. No one takes it from me. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own accord. The laying down of his life on the cross at Calvary has been given to him by the authority of God the Father... God the Father authorized him to lay down his life for those who would put their faith and trust in him. And God the Father authorized him to take it up again. (laughs) And he gives us life to the full for everyone who will turn and say, Lord, please come into my life. Give me life to the full. I this, this is just an existence. I'm really just existing and I don't know why I'm here. Please give me the life that you died for on the cross. Please give me your life. It is yours for the asking this morning. If you have not yet turned and trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, the giver of life, I would plead with you to do so. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he became the right, he gave the right to become the children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor a human human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Have you done that? The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Next Sunday morning we'll be celebrating that Ellie has received God's life to the full. And it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. And if you're a Christian here, you know that whatever this life throws at you, the best is yet to come. Who wouldn't like to who wouldn't want to leave this meeting with that degree of joy and certainty written onto your souls by the Holy Spirit Himself? If you'd like to talk and pray with me afterwards, I'd be delighted to do so. We're going to pray and then we're going to sing Amazing Grace. Let's pray. Father in heaven.
Thank you that you came in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ to give us back life to the full. Thank you that in your great plan and purpose, death will never, ever have the final say. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Father, please grant the gift of eternal life to everyone in this room and every home and family represented in this room so that you get all the glory and we get all the joy. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.